0: Hello everyone, welcome to a millennial learns. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We are doing a state history episode. We are on number 14. So the 14th state to join the union was Vermont. They joined on March 4th, 1791. And we will go over all of that um, in this podcast with, you know, the state symbols, famous people from there. I've added a new segment called Weird Laws of the State. I keep seeing these weird, unique things about each state that at one point became law or they are still laws. And they just have never been updated. And so I wanted to add that as a little segment because it was just pretty entertaining. So um, we're going to go over Vermont on Saturday. We're adding a new like podcast, um, you know, day of the week, which will be Saturdays for like just some weekly life updates, highs, lows, Um any current events I want to give some commentary on, what I'm learning this week, um, that sort of thing. So it's been a crazy, emotionally taxing week, um, but we will go over all of that on Saturday. So for today, we are going over the history of Vermont. I hope you enjoy the episode. (laughs) So as I do for all the other states every week, um, I want to go over just some basic facts, you know, geography, population, climate, all that sort of thing, just so we know a little bit of a context about where we are before we dive into the history. So if you don't know where it is, Vermont is in the northeastern part of the United States. It's bordered uh, by New York to the west, New Hampshire is to the east, Massachusetts is to the south, and Canada is to the north. So it's in that upper uh, northeast region it became a state on march 4th 1791 making it the 14th state to join the union and let's talk about why it's named vermont this goes a little bit into the history of who settled it and things like that but it's derived from the phrase montaigne verte which is french for green mountain and that is why the nickname of the state is now the green mountain state so that tells you a lot about the geography of vermont the state motto is freedom and unity and the population is about six hundred and thirty-four thousand as of 2020. this was surprising to me because a lot of these um northeastern states seem to be extremely densely populated like um i think it was rhode island and massachusetts i think it was massachusetts anyway a lot of them are very densely populated so i was expecting the same with vermont but i think because it's so mountainous it's actually not that densely populated it's ranked 37th out of 56 um, states and territories so that includes all of america's territories but 37th i was expecting it to be like 10th but it's actually not overly populated it seems so a little bit more about the geography so the green mountains that the state is named after run along the western edge of the state it runs in a north and south direction that mountain range They also have the Hudson River, Lake George and Lake Champlain. Those are also to the west of the mountains and they're the boundary between Vermont and New York. There's also the Connecticut River, which also runs north-south along the central and eastern edge of the state. So a lot of different geographical landmarks throughout this pretty small state. Okay, as for climate, I thought this was kind of shocking so they have 43 inches of rain 38 is the average you know they have about average rain however they get 86 inches of snow per year and the average is 28 across America so they get like almost four times the average amount of snow if you do not like winter don't (laughs) go to Vermont or don't live in Vermont there's 167 sunny days, the average is 205, so less sunny than an average state. July is, like the July high temperature is 79 degrees, the January low temperature is six degrees. So again, it gets very, very cold. I was surprised by this because New Hampshire is right next door and their temperatures weren't as extreme, their snow wasn't as extreme. So really, as you move west to those mountains and like closer to Canada, Um, It really makes a difference with the amount of snow you're getting. June, July, and August are the most pleasant months with a comfort index of about 8.9, which is very high on this scale. And January and December are the least comfortable, which is 3.3, which is extremely low. I don't think I've seen a comfort index that low. So overall with these very wide extremes of comfort indices, the average comfort index is six. Now that national average is seven. So the winter really pulls the comfort index down here. So again, if you don't like winter, I don't think Vermont is your desired place to live. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's talk about the history of the Vermont region, you know, before it came a state and then once it was admitted into the Union so the history really starts in 1535 when French explorer Jacques Cartier is the first European to see what is now Vermont in 1609 so it took you know over 70 years for someone else to really come back and see it settle the area um, Samuel de Champlain discovers Lake Champlain again there's no settlement yet this is um, 1609 it was just discovered so that is why Lake Champlain is named that after Samuel de Champlain in 1666 so again we're speeding up in a very large chunks here this is 57 years later Fort St Anne is constructed on Isle La Motte, which is the site of the first white settlement and first Catholic mass so that was again in 1666. In 1690, there was a small British fort built at Chimney Point. And in 1724, the British built Fort Dummer at Dummerston. <laughs> and that is not spelled D U M B, like you're dumb. It's spelled Fort D U M M E R at Dummerston. So in that same year, Battleboro became the first permanent English settlement in Vermont. Okay. 1731, the French build, um, another fort and begin settlement under Senor Gilles Hocor. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but, um, that is at Chimney Point. So Chimney Point, um, fort is built in 1731. So there's a, A big English you know influence here because at this point the English are settling in the area but the main influence is still the French by the kind of early 1730s in 1749 governor Benning Wentworth makes the first New Hampshire grant um, for the town of Bennington Now, what that actually means, because I was very confused, because I was like, wait, aren't we talking about Vermont? Why is it bringing up a New Hampshire grant? So this is what that means. Governor Benning Wentworth was the governor of New Hampshire, and he wanted to expand to the west. So he wanted the land west of the Connecticut River to be part of his colony, and he wanted to expand. So he granted these New Hampshire grants to groups that wanted to start towns and go settle west of the actual New Hampshire kind of boundary. So that is what um, that grant was, and the first one of those was in 1749. The settlement at Chimney Point that was settled by the French is abandoned in 1759, and then In 1760, the Crown Point Military Road, which stretched from Springfield, Vermont to Chimney Point, Vermont, was completed. So now you could travel easily from the east side of Vermont to the west across the whole um, area slash colony. In 1761, Governor Wentworth resumed the New Hampshire grants, so there was a time there that he didn't really hand many out, but that was resumed in 1761. And then in 1770, the Green Mountain Boys were organized, so I have definitely heard of the Green Mountain Boys, but I didn't put two and two together that they were you know, like in Vermont and in this area, I guess, I didn't know too much about them. So the Green Mountain Boys were organized to protect the New Hampshire Grants and that whole land area. That was in 1770, about nine years after the governor started resuming his giveaway of the New Hampshire Grants. In 1774, the Scottish American Land Company brings Scottish settlers to Rygate and Barnet. So now we're starting to get a little bit more Scottish influence. There's a lot of different groups of immigrants that are kind of coming to this area. In 1775, Ethan, Al- Ethan Allen captures Fort Ticonderoga, and then the construction of Mount Independence in Orwell, Vermont, which is you know an American uh, fort that was started in 1776. So all of this is kind of, you know, the battles and the tension leading to the Revolutionary War. Okay, so right, you know, at this moment, um, in 1777, Vermont declared itself a republic in Windsor. So this says that Vermont, including the town of Killington, declared independence from New York and New Hampshire. So it was kind of this... Colony, You know, the New Hampshire grants, like the governor started granting, you know, uh, land and these grants to settlers to go expand west. So it was a big kind of part of New Hampshire, but it's also bordering New York. So New York felt it had some claim on the Vermont area as well. But in 1777, a lot of people did not want to have independence in vermont it didn't sound like so they actually declared themselves an independent country unto itself they said that it coined its own money set up its own postal service and elected its own president so it was known as the republic of vermont and it was independent until 1791 so for a brief time in there and it actually wasn't that brief it was like if i'm doing my math right 14 years that there was a country of Vermont, essentially, the Republic of Vermont. So it says that the people of New Connecticut, a chunk of upstate New York, declared their independence. They adopted the first constitution with universal male suffrage, public schools. They abolished slavery. So they were progressive, but they didn't want to be, you know, part of the United States. Um, also in 1770, the battles of Hubbardton and Bennington both happened in um, 1777. So I I had literally no idea that Vermont was its own country at one point. That is crazy to me. How How is that not a major thing that I learned in American history? Like, I feel like the, Vermont is just forgotten in all that, but maybe I just don't remember learning about it. Um okay 1779 the bailey hazen military road was blazed from Peacham, Ver- uh, vermont to lowell vermont so that was a big um you know military road and then vermont also established property rights for women in 1779 again very um progressive in 1780 the last major indian raid happened in royalton vermont and it was led by the british and then 1785, Eureka Schoolhouse was constructed in Springfield, and um, the first marble quarry was opened in Dorset. All right, so then in 1786, the Vermont legislature passed an act that prevented the sale and transportation of Black people and Africans out of the state of Vermont, which is odd. It doesn't ban the importation of any Africans or anything, um, but it does prevent the sale and transportation out of the state. So kind of a weird law there. In 1787, um, Castleton, which is Vermont's first college, was established and given a charter by the General Assembly of Vermont. So first like big educational milestone. In seventeen ninety the first u s patent was issued, so it was issued to a man named Samuel Hopkins um, who was a Vermontonian vermontan <laughs> he was from Vermont, and his invention was to improve the making of pot ash and pearl ash. Now, I don't really know what that is, but it was a very good invention at the time, and so he was the first you know patent that was issued. It was signed at that time by the president himself. So it was personally signed by George Washington. And this actually says that the first 10,280 patents were issued between 1790 and 1836. They kept them in this, you know, one specific spot, one specific building altogether. And a fire ripped through that building. And so the first. 10,000 plus patents that were ever issued in the United States were destroyed by a fire which is very sad. But um very interesting that that patent system was it, it says that the basis, the legal basis of the patent system is defined in Article 1 Section 8 of the US Constitution where the powers of Congress are defined and so that whole process started in 1790. 1791 Vermont becomes the 14th state which again is kind of a really big deal because they were considered their own country for the last 14 years they were like coining their own money so they had to really have a pretty big change to actually get admitted into the the Union the University of Vermont is also chartered in 1791 Um, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison make a big visit to Vermont Also in 1791 so there's a lot a lot going on um, as they get admitted into the Union so okay then in 1794 this is also interesting because it's like the history of the American flag so George Washington approved a measure that added two stars and two stripes to the American flag because both Vermont and Kentucky had been added into the Union by 1794 spoiler alert kentucky is the next one that we were going to go over (laughs) the next week so he wanted to add two stars and two stripes to the flag so it kept going obviously that every time you added a state you would add a star to the flag but eventually the number of stripes was reduced to the original 13 colonies because that would have been such a busy flag if we had 50 stripes. So they kind of foresaw that and said, "Okay, let's just make the stripes the original 13 colonies, but then just add a star. But for a while there, we had 14 stars and 14 stripes on the flag. Okay, in 1798, a brawl broke out in the House of Representatives in Philadelphia. Now, this guy from Vermont, one of the representatives named Matthew Lyon, or Leon, spit in the face of Roger Griswold, who was from Connecticut. And Roger Griswold responded to the spit in the face by hitting Matthew Lyon, Leon, with a hickory walking stick, this says. Lyon was reelected to Congress. Like, he was in the middle of a campaign when all this happened. And he got sentenced to jail for this. But he was reelected while he was serving a jail sentence because he violated the Seditions Act of 1798. So the reason he was actually in jail didn't sound like, I mean, the, the fight that they had wasn't the reason why he was in jail. The reason why he was in jail was because of the Seditions Act. So looked a little bit more into this. It says, Vermont Congressman Matthew Lyon, Irish born former indentured servant became the first person indicted under the Sedition Act of 1918 Lyon was convicted of sedition after he printed his honest opinion of I think this is somehow they got the year wrong Um, but Lyon was convicted of sedition after he printed his honest opinion of President John Adams Vermont re-elected Lyon to Congress while he served his jail time he later represented Kentucky in the U.S. House of Representatives so yeah There was a lot of drama happening in 1798 with this Sedition Act. Okay, so I just paused and did a little fact check. So in this timeline, it says that he was the first person indicted under the Sedition Act of 1918. They just got uh, the year wrong. I think there was a Sedition Act of 1918, but he was convicted under the Sedition Act of 1798 because... That's the time period we were in. So that was just a typo that I did not catch before in the timeline. But yes, it was 1798 instead. So he was reelected while he was in jail for violating this Sedition Act. Okay, in 1801, Brigham Young, who eventually became, you know, he later led the Mormons from Illinois to Utah. He founded Salt Lake City. He was huge in the LDS and Mormon church and community he was born in vermont uh, in 1801. in 1805 montpellier is chosen as the capital and then in 1805 joseph smith who was the actual founder of the mormon church is technically joseph smith jr but people kind of just know him as joseph smith i think he was born in royalton vermont Okay, in 1819 the vermont colonization society is formed and then in 1820 it says that every vermont congressman except one whose vote was not recorded voted against the pro-slavery amendments in the bill the legislature passed the following resolution Slavery is incompatible with the vital principles of all free governments and tends to their ruin. It paralyzes industry, the greatest source of national wealth, stifles the love of freedom, and endangers the safety of the nation. It is prohibited by the laws of nature, which are equally binding on governments and individuals. The right to introduce and establish slavery in a free government does not exist. So, again, very progressive with the slavery issue. And, yeah, they they unanimously... Um, voted against slavery. So that was in 1820. Oh, three years later. Sorry, couldn't do math there really quick. Um, But in 1823, Alexander Twilight becomes the first African-American to earn a college degree um, in the U.S. That was at Middlebury. Okay, so then in 1834, the Vermont Anti-Slavery Society is formed and... You know, it's already illegal within Vermont, but this is like a society that, or a, yeah, a society that tries to spread its abolitionist message throughout the rest of the United States. In 1835, the, the abolitionist Samuel J. May is mobbed while lecturing in Montpellier, Vermont. In 1837, John Deere, so John Deere was founded in Vermont and the man John Deere patented his steel plow in 1837. Thomas Davenport also patented the first electric motor in 1837 also in Vermont. So a lot of good inventions are happening in Vermont in the early 1800s. In 1840 um, in Vermont the Liberty Party is formed. In 1850 not a single Vermont congressman voted for the compromise of 1850 the Vermont legislator also that year passed an act to impede the carrying out of the Fugitive Slave Act and then the Vermont legislator also sent a protest to the other state legislators responding with this quote says the legislator of Virginia declines to consider the resolutions of the state of Vermont relative to the peace of the world until that body shall show itself careful of the peace of the union by conforming to the enactments of the Constitution of the United States and laws passed. Okay, that's very wordy, but essentially there are a lot of anti-slavery legislator moves that are being passed and sent by Vermont. In 1855, the first Republican governor is elected and Republicans end up controlling that office until 1962. In 1856, so if you've heard of the company orvis orvis is like an outdoor um it's everywhere now i feel like but um they were a fly tackle manufacturer they began operations in manchester vermont and charles f orvis founded the fishing tackle shop it was originally by mail order so that was founded um in 1856 it says that lee perkins bought the 20 Twenty employee company for four hundred thousand dollars in 1965, and in 1992 Perkins heard the company of more than seven hundred employees over to his sons. As of 1993, that company was a hundred million dollar business. So that was founded again in 1856 by Charles Orvis. In 1859, John Dewey, who is a philosopher and pioneer in modern education, it says was born in Burlington, Vermont and the current state house that's now standing in vermont was uh, started construction also in 1859 in 1864 this says on october 19th the northernmost action of the american civil war took place in the vermont town of st albans 25 escaped uh confederate pow's raided the town near the Canadian border with the intent on robbing three banks and burning the town. They managed to leave town and hide out in Canada with over $200,000, but their attempts to burn down the town failed. Most of the raiders were captured and imprisoned in Canada and later released after a court ruled the robberies in St. Albans were acts of war. That was all led by a Kentuckian named Bennett Young. um, And so all these confederate POWs uh went on this whole raid so wasn't too successful got squelched pretty quickly thank thank goodness um but yeah crazy stuff happening in the Civil War there's so many battles in the Civil War that every state I research they're like oh all these very major battles were fought here (laughs) and I feel like I don't remember pretty much any of these. So this is a good refresher about our Civil War history. Um, In that same year, the State Agricultural College was set up at the University of Vermont, and it was a land-grant college. In 1881, Chester Arthur becomes the president. He was born in Fairfield, Vermont. In 1891, the Bennington Battle Monument was completed in Old Bennington, so that's a very good thing to go see if you're in Vermont. A lot of these um, battle memorials all kind of in the Northeast. In 1903, um, Dr. Horatio Nelson Jackson, who is from Vermont, and his mechanic Sewell Croker arrived in New York City after they completed the first cross-country automobile trip in 63 days after leaving San Francisco. It's funny because now we can make that trip so quick, but this is like groundbreaking stuff to make it from San Francisco to New York in 63 days. So it says on July 26, 2003, Peter Kessling and Charlie Wake completed the rerun of the original trip. So that was in 1903, We're getting into, you know, really long distance automobile trips, but the original, uh, man, Mr. Dr. Horatio, uh, Nelson Jackson was from Vermont. In 1918, women vote in Vermont town elections. And, uh, in 1921, you know, nationwide women's suffrage is adopted. The, Uh, ballpark Centennial Field, which is one of the oldest ballparks still in use, is constructed in 1922. And then in 1923, uh, Calvin Coolidge, who was born in Plymouth, Vermont, became the U.S. president. Also in that year, gasoline tax was adopted and airplanes started being regulated. So those are kind of big I don't know. I I didn't realize there was no gasoline tax before 1923, but that is when that was adopted. Ted Bundy was born in Burlington, Vermont in 1946. It's like the less, (laughs) it's like a, a downer on the Vermont history, but yeah, he was from Vermont. In 1953, the SS Ticonderoga made its last steamboat trip on Lake Champlain. So that's a big kind of symbol of Vermont and it retired in 1953. 1954, Consuelo Northrop Bailey elected the first woman was elected the first woman lieutenant governor in the United States. She was also from Vermont. And then 1958, the Elizabeth Copper Mine in Vermont was closed for good. Now, this was a big um Part of the economy of Vermont. So it had produced more than 100 million pounds of copper, about 90% of that from World War II onward. The closure left behind 7,800 feet of tunnels, abandoned buildings, equipment, huge piles of rocks known as tailings, and other mining debris. In 2001, the Elizabeth Mine was added to the Superfund list, and in 2003, work began to clean up the site. In 2019, work began winding down, and the Environmental Protection Agency was getting ready to turn the site over to the state for long term monitoring. So now it's like mostly cleaned up and fine, but it did, it was left quite a mess, it sounded like, um, when it closed in 1958. In 1962, it was um, a very big shift because the first Democratic governor in over a 100 years was elected. So it had been under Republican control until 1962. In 1964, Victory, Granby, and Jamaica, all in Vermont, were the last towns in the state to receive electricity. And then this is kind of a depressing story, but Vermont officials authorized in the same year, 1964, they authorized local authorities to remove this man named Romain Tenney, who was 64 years old from his farm to make way for an interstate highway. He refused to leave and he locked himself inside his home and set it on fire. So that, that is a really depressing uh, story that was added to this timeline, but it was like big news in the sixties in Twenty twenty one, the last remaining tree from the historical Romaine Tenney farm was cut down in Weathersfield. The Romaine Tenney Memorial Park was created with a thirty thousand dollar grant from the Vermont Agency of Transportation. Seems like a very small consolation prize for like kicking a guy off of his farm and making him set himself on fire. I don't know. I don't love that. Um, okay. 1967 public broadcasting television was formed 1968 billboards were banned kind of random in 1969 the fish and wildlife officials in new york and vermont both banned fish shooting but then it only took a year for them to reinstate it in vermont public broadcasting was established on the radio in 1977 very weird It was established on TV 10 years before radio. I thought for sure it would be the other way around, but yeah, it was not. It was established in the radio in 1977. 1999, a Vermont court ruled that gay and lesbian couples must be granted the same rights as people in heterosexual marriages, and then they actually approved same-sex marriages in 2000. In 2001, Vermont produced 275,000 gallons of maple syrup. Um, Also in 2001, Senator James Jeffords, who was a Republican, he left to become an independent, and by doing that, caused the Democratic Party to gain control of the Senate for the first time since 1994. So, yeah, again, big big shifts in the legislature it was like i think a exact tie and so by james jeffords becoming an independent the democrats then outnumbered republicans okay in 2011 tropical storm irene caused major floods washed away bridges and caused 3 deaths okay so that is the history of the state of vermont again very interesting i had no idea that it was its own country at one point okay let's go into some weird laws about vermont there's quite a few um a lot of these are outdated or like very much not enforced because uh well you'll get get why here's some weird laws so delivery men must walk backwards in driveways of homes worth more than $500,000 there is no way that is still happening it is illegal to whistle underwater doves are not allowed to be kept in the freezer it is illegal to use colored margarine in restaurants unless the menu indicates it with two inch high lettering which if you think about two inch high lettering that is super huge font like it has to be put on their menu with gigantic font. And I really want to go to a Vermont restaurant and see if any of them have this two inch high lettering warning about using colored margarine. Um, in the town of Barr, Vermont, all residents must bathe every Saturday night. I gotta see if this is enforced. I can't see how it would be. It's illegal to paint a horse. It is illegal to deny the existence of God, and women must get written permission from their husbands to wear false teeth. There must be some story behind that. No one, it seems, know what knows what that story is. But those are the weird laws of Vermont. Um, a couple famous people from Vermont: so Calvin Coolidge and Chester Arthur, both U.S. presidents, were born in Vermont. Joseph Smith and uh, Brigham Young, who were LDS Mormon Church founders were also born in vermont and then john deere so went historical with these and then let's go over some state symbols okay so they're all kind of um standard i didn't find anything like in rhode island where it was like coffee milk what is coffee milk you know they're all kind of standard but let's go over them the animal the state animal is the morgan horse the state beverage is milk the state bird is the hermit thrush. They have a state butterfly is the monarch. They have a state flavor, which is interesting, which is maple because again they produce hundreds of thousands of gallons of maple syrup every year, and so that's a big thing in Vermont. They have um, the state flower is the red clover. The state fruit is an apple. The state honey or the state insect is the honeybee. Going along with the fruit, the state pie which they have named officially is the apple pie the state tree is the sugar maple again goes along with the whole maple uh, theme here they have a state vegetable which is the gill feather turnip which is found a lot in vermont they have both a cold water fish and a warm water fish so the cold water fish is brook trout which is very standard across a lot of states that's like the most popular state fish but the warm water fish is the walleye pike And then they also have winter sports, skiing and snowboarding. And that is because the green, you know, it's known as the Green Mountain State. And like a ton of people, a bunch of tourists come in the winter because again, winter is so long and so intense there that there's a lot of good skiing and snowboarding opportunities in the state of Vermont. So um, that does actually make a lot of sense. I thought that the, the mountains and stuff weren't very high, um, in Vermont, but it seems like there is plenty, they're plenty high enough to do a lot of good skiing and snowboarding. So, um, again, the capital is Montpellier. I thought I did not, I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar to me. Maybe I didn't study the Vermont capital much as a kid, but I was definitely waiting to see in the timeline, like when the state capital changed from Montpellier to something else. Uh, but no, it is Montpellier, and it a lot of French influence, as you can tell in that name. The French probably pronounce it Montpellier, um, but probably Americans, I would assume, pronounce it Montpellier. <laughs> okay, let's go over some of the attractions that um, you would want to see if you were visiting Vermont. So again, there's a ton of red maple trees, so the best time to go seems to be the fall to see all these beautiful trees, very similar to New Hampshire. So um, there's a place called Stowe. It says with a covered bridge, white spired church, weathered barns, and ski trails down the mountainside, Stowe is everyone's image of Vermont. At the foot of Mount Mansfield and in the heart of the state's snow belt, it's also the town that most personifies the glory days of Vermont's early ski industry, a heritage that's explored in the Vermont Ski Museum. I'll post this picture because it's beautiful. If you like nature at all, definitely go to Stowe. There's also the Church Street Marketplace. It says it's in the heart of downtown Burlington, um, and Church Street is only four blocks long, but it forms a wide traffic-free space for the public events and a lively street life, even in Vermont's cold winters. So there's like festivals there. Um, It's just like a big uh, shopping attraction and a walkway, and it's really kind of like the heart of Vermont there's a place called Hildene that is also seems very much worth visiting and Hildene it says Robert Todd Lincoln who was the son of President Lincoln visited Manchester with his mother shortly before his father's assassination after he had become president of Pullman Company in the early 20th century he returned to build the Georgian Revival Hildene as his country estate so it's the old lincoln's son estate and it looks beautiful there's a lot of nature paths and mountains there's the burlington bike path and waterfront which looks really pretty um the ski resorts they say to visit there's the um gorge it's the it's vermont's deepest gorge i'm pronouncing that wrong for sure but it looks very pretty. And then the Bennington Battle Museum and Monument. So those are some good attractions to see if you're ever in Vermont. But really, I would just say most of them are nature focused. Just go soak up the nature of Vermont. So that is all I have for the history and facts of Vermont. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you Saturday with our little new life update, Saturday podcast edition. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye.